Welcome everyone to the Amandaman Games podcast. This is episode two. This is our weekly podcast where we discuss video game news and just the gaming industry as a whole, and also discuss things that we're playing. Today we have a special guest. We have Silvana, also known as Saf Silv, joining us to discuss all things video games. So Silvana, why don't you take it away? Just give us a brief introduction, uh, your love or your interest in gaming, what you've been playing, and just where people can find you. Hi, my name is Silvana. I'm a bit of an artist. I use acrylics and oils, and I recently got into graphic design. Um, well, when I was little, I loved anything Mario-related. It's hard to know exactly what, because I'm not good at recalling names like you are. But, but yeah, I loved a lot of games. And then when I was growing up, because of school, and I was so focused on school, and I didn't even have a TV or anything, I couldn't have a console of my own. So what I would do a lot is I would just watch people play. I think I watched PewDiePie a lot among other people. I think everyone did. Everyone yeah, watched PewDiePie. Yeah, I know. We all started with PewDiePie. He was the easiest one to find. Yeah. And the game that I recall the most was Firewatch. I think that was the first game maybe that I watched. Mm-hmm. But I, I loved that. And I think I ended up watching it multiple times from different people. Because, you know, they go through, I don't know, it's like a different experience depending on the streamer. Yeah, of course. So, I think that's that's the beauty of having YouTube Let's Plays is everyone has a different experience. Yeah, and a different take too, right? Because a lot of times they talk, like they interpret things as it happens. And to see like the different interpretations was really cool. Um, and then lately, I remember my love for video games changed a lot when you were telling me about, I can't remember the name, <laughs> but about the game that used newer scientists. I can't, I can't to, remember. Yeah, it was a game that basically it's supposed to mimic the experience of having schizophrenia. Oh, I believe that was Hellblade. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So when you told me that, I was just like super hooked because I studied, my background is in science. I studied health science and neuroscience. So I thought that was amazing. Like it became my dream to just be some sort of consultant or um, some mix of scientists and artists for some video game. It would be like perfect. Yeah. I don't even know if that job exists, but it would be great. That's awesome. Is there any game that you've been uh, you've been looking forward to this year, or anything that you're kind of looking forward to in the future? <laughs> okay, so I'm looking forward to a game that I don't know why it's called Fogs. Fogs. I really like it. I saw it. I remember we saw it. I saw it once on one of those conferences, was, right? Yeah, it was. I believe it was for PAX East or PAX West, and they were showing. Uh, it was basically like an indie developer that made. Yeah, this game. yeah, exactly. It's a small game. I have no idea why I'm looking forward to this game so much. I saw only like 10 seconds of it and I loved it. It's a very, um, you know, cute and simple looking game. It's just like a, a dog with a like head on both ends. And I think I like that it's a multiplayer too. Exactly. So I think that's the main premise of it. It's basically it's a co-op game. It's a couch co-op game. Yeah. And you're basically, there's like a dog, it's like a sausage dog almost. Yeah, that has exactly. Head on both exactly. Sides. It's like connected, right? So both players are connected. So I like games like that where you really need to cooperate to get to the end yeah it reminds me of um heave ho a little bit like you know in a way same yeah. mechanics sort of but yeah oh that's awesome uh so we'll kind of jump right in to the news uh first thing actually we're gonna do a bit of a bit of housekeeping in a, in a sense uh last pa- last podcast i talked about the, a new deus ex game possibly coming out this year so this rumor was actually debunked by a very prominent figure, very prominent journalist in the game industry, uh, Jason Schreier. So he basically went on Reset Era, uh, which is one of the threads where this Deus Ex news was kind of coming out. Uh, this was also a game that I streamed on my on my channel a while back. Yeah, and basically, basically he simply said that yeah, though this is this is not true. Uh, 
<laughs> so I think I think we can just go along with that for now. I think right now we can just kind of stick with basically that there's no Deus Ex coming out this yeah. year. Unfortunately, especially for people like myself who do who do does really enjoy uh, that franchise. So one one other thing, of course, is please uh, join me on on Twitch. I stream regularly. I will obviously talk more about what I've been streaming on Twitch uh, later on in the in the in the show. So we'll jump right into the news. So one of the biggest news items that just happened uh, last week. It's pretty big, especially coming from a game a video game company that you know I, I love. I deeply love this this gaming company. So Rockstar co-founder and GTA writer Dan Hauser leaves company. So this is from Matt Kim from IGN. Dan Hauser, the co-founder of Rockstar Games and head writer on games like Bully, Red Dead Redemption, and Grand Theft Auto, is leaving Rockstar and Take-Two Games in March. News of the departure comes from a Take-Two Interactive SEC report. A Rockstar Games spokesperson has added a comment regarding the news of Dan Hauser's departure. The company didn't address Hauser's departure directly, but reiterated that Sam Hauser, Dan's brother and co-founder at Rockstar Games, is still in the company. In a statement to IGN, a Rockstar Games spokesperson said, Sam Hauser's role with Rockstar, Rockstar Games, which he founded in 1998, remains unchanged. Sam and the team remain focused on current and future projects. Dan, along with his brother Sam Hauser, were executives at BMG Interactive before it was acquired by Take-Two. The Hauser brothers founded Rockstar Games under Take-Two in December 1998. At Rockstar, the brothers wrote and developed games like GTA, Red Dead, uh, but also Bully, Midnight Club, and Smuggler's Run. Sorry, I just kind of lost track of, of the games that I was just reading. <laughs> Hauser is credited as a writer on most of the Grand Theft Auto games, from Grand Theft Auto 2 to Grand Theft Auto 5, as well as head writer on Bully, Red Dead Redemption, Max Payne 3, and Red Dead Redemption 2. So for me, this was this was a, a, a big news item, mainly because I love Red Dead Redemption. I just finished Red Dead Redemption 2, and I really love the story there. I love Max Payne 3. Of all the Max Payne games, that was my favorite game, because a lot of people usually tend to go for Max Payne 1 or 2, Max Payne 3 was a little different. It was handled by Rockstar. It wasn't handled by the by the people that originally made Max Payne. So for me, you know, Dan Hauser leaving is is obviously sad. But at the same time, I look at it in two ways. Uh, there has been reports that Take Two Interactive, the uh, uh, the parent company of Rockstar Games, they actually wanted Rockstar to release multiple games or games more frequently. As we know, Rockstar Games, when they release a game, they take their time. Yeah. And, you know, you can kind of understand when they when you see the game. When you see the game from, from, from GTA 3 to GTA 4, you see the technical leap. When you see them go from GTA 4 to GTA 5, you see the leap there as well. And then from GTA 5 to Red Dead Redemption 2 that we just saw, which was a gap of five years because GTA 5, I believe, came out in 2013. A five years gap is, is pretty lengthy, but, you know, when you see that, the, the, the type of game they made and the amount of effort and detail and, and the work they put into the animations, you do understand. So my my thought process was that Take-Two wanted Rockstar to release more games more frequently. And that's kind of when Dan came in and said that, look, this this is not how I how I do it. Yeah. Uh, I want to take my time. I want to take my time when it comes to the writing. And then, you know, I'll, I'll focus on making sure that we're actually taking technical leaps when it comes to these games. You know, and maybe that would have been a, a, a big reason for Dan Hauser to say, you know what, if this is the direction that Rockstar Games is going and his brother's all for it, I, I'm, you know, I'm going to take my leave. That that was like my one thought. At the same time, the second thought was, I just listed a number of games that he has written for. Yeah. At this point, what, what does he have left to prove? He's He can literally leave on top. 
He just came out with Red Redemption 2, where he was a head writer. As most of us have played that game now, it, the writing was amazing. The story was amazing. It was emotional. The soundtrack was amazing. The way everything was laid out was so great. The technological leap that the game took was amazing. Yeah. So I think at this point of time, Dan Hauser doesn't have much to prove, doesn't have anything else to prove. So he, he decided that, you know what, I think this is my time to take my leave. So there's two possible things. But, you know, I'm sure uh, wherever he goes, whatever he does next, it will be interesting to see what happens in a year or two. Uh, because sometimes when someone is let go from the company, uh, it is, th there are cases where, you know, they've signed an NDA form or something like that where yeah. they can't talk, where, can't, where they can't discuss why they were let go or why they left. So it'll be inter interesting to see what happens in a year or two if we find any information or if there's any leaks in terms of what actually happened. But, you know, we obviously... Wishing the best. Uh, he does. I'm sure he doesn't need it because he will be perfectly fine. He has done such amazing things, and it'll be interesting to see within a year or so if, if he started his own another company, another gaming company. Yeah, and that's if he what starts, I was gonna say maybe he's just gonna start his own thing. I mean, that would be perfect. I, I, it's not, it's not that he wasn't a, a big shot or an executive at Take Two, especially with with the kind of background and the the experience that he brings. So it's interesting. Maybe he just wants a new challenge. You know, maybe he's done this for so long that he's like, okay, you know what? I, I want something new. I want to try something new. And he could also try a hand in, in, in writing for movies because he is such a great writer as we have seen it translated to games. Maybe he's done everything he can in the video game industry. And he's saying that, you know what? We, we, I, want, I might want to try a hand in making movies or making TV shows and see how that goes and just try writing for them. You know, it could be a, a, a cool leap. So that was a, that was a big news item that I... Just kind of had to talk about the top of the show just because, yeah, Rockstar, Dan Hauser, you always put them two and two yeah. together. I definitely like his approach more, though. Like, I like when games take their time and then you can see that in the quality. Yeah. As opposed to just rushing it and then it's just riddled with problems. Exactly. I think that's a, an issue of, of this generation of games, especially since the PS3, PS4, and, and uh, the new, new generation that's coming up. It's always uh, an issue of these games being released too quickly riddled with problems and problems that they promise to fix over time. So it's a game that might come out a year later, but because they need to reach their fiscal earnings report, they need to re reach those estimates that they have predicted for their investors, they release these games way too early with too many bucks. I know, but I never understand, like, in a way I do understand, but at the same time, because they have so many problems, they get so many bad reviews that people that would have bought the game don't buy it anymore. Yeah. So I think it just works against them. I would, like, I would rather wait. A big example of this is Anthem, which came out last year, which was riddled with problems, had a lot of issues, a lot of stuff that they promised wasn't out, what didn't come out. It, it's it's still pretty like well, yeah, but obviously not in terms of what they had estimated it for for it to sell. At the same time, the game went on sale extremely quickly. I mean, I got I got that game for free with my with my GPU that I bought for my PC. So it got to a point where it was being given for free almost, or <laughs> just it was take it <laughs> exactly just take it right. Just here, buy something. And I'll give it. I'll give this game with with it. So it just became an issue of that game not being able to find a crowd and not being able to convince new newcomers. So when I, I got the game for free, but I haven't even started it because I know that the game has problems. At the same time, I said, why not wait for a year? It's been a year at this point yeah. since the game came out and there has been no news, nothing about what they have done to improve it, what new things have been added. So for me, a, a newcomer to that series or, like that, or that game it, itself, I just don't see the point in investing yeah. any time. So we'll move on to the next news item. This is also pretty big. Nintendo says it isn't concerned about PS5 and Xbox X Series X launches. 
so this was another uh, a, a Japanese Q and A that was happening. Uh, Andy Robinson from Video Game Chronicles. Uh, so basically, the president of the company Shuntaro Furukawa was doing a Q and A and told investors he believes that there will be little audience crossover between Switch and the upcoming next gen consoles. We will explain the specific figures for the next fiscal years in our next fiscal year announcement. But I, I think there will be I think there will certainly be a change in the environment as new products of our competitors appear, Furukawa said. He added that because he believes the target audiences of Nintendo Switch and its competitors will be different. We do not believe that the business trends of other companies will have a significant impact on our business. So this was just interesting mainly because of another report that came out that Nintendo Switch isn't releasing a, a, an updated console or a new console this year, which was early reported, I think, last year and the year before. Yeah. So, and I apologize, as I was saying, the, the, I was going through the news in the beginning, I kind of lost track of what I was reading, so I do apologize, <laughs> I do apologize about that. Uh, but going back to the story, uh, it's interesting just because I didn't see it as a necessity for them to release a new console, but just because even in my case, I always look at a Nintendo Switch as a console that you need to have with whatever other console you have. Yeah, I was going to say, if I were Nintendo, I would not be worried either. Exactly. <laughs> at all. They're just very different. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, they are not competing for the same space. They obviously are. They obviously want third-party games. They want games like Witcher. They want games like possibly, hopefully, maybe a Call of Duty to come on on the on the console as well. But to be honest, the way the sales are going, the way Nintendo is is doing its business and how well they're doing their business, they've they've already crossed Xbox One sale sales numbers overall. And Xbox One came out in twenty thirteen, whereas Nintendo Switch came out in twenty seventeen. And they've, they've crossed that number so quickly, you can tell that people who buy a Nintendo console aren't exactly looking for that next Call of Duty game to drop on that console. They aren't looking for that sort of hardcore console gamer space. And I think that's one of the things that Nintendo also realizes that Nintendo knows based on how well they're doing. So I don't think they need a new console. I think this just kind of makes sense. Uh, I think what they will try to do instead is release certain games to counter the launches of those of those new consoles coming this year which we will discuss later later on in the show so it'll be interesting to see what they do uh but this this is connected to this news that we just kind of went over uh this is again from video games chronicle again from andy robinson um as he was speaking to the investors in a japanese q a uh furukawa said he was taking a long-term view in his plans for Switch, which Nintendo will continue to support with a dual strategy of both releasing new software and supporting existing releases. The most important thing for us is whether we can maintain the momentum of Nintendo Switch. He said, adding that pushing the portable-only Switch Lite to expand the audience was of particular importance. In terms of software, in addition to continuously introducing new software, we believe that it will be very important to continue our efforts to sell titles that we have released so far. He added, we believe that the, I, I apologize. Sometimes when I'm reading it, it's because of the with the way the line is distributed or the way the paragraph is distributed. Um, we believe that Nintendo Switch, the Nintendo Switch business, is now in its fourth year and is just in the middle of its life cycle. Rather than just the next year, I think about things in terms of what to do the following year and the year after that. So I just wanted to like bring this up just because Nintendo is themselves saying that Nintendo Switch is has leave, has reached its midlife cycle. So basically, within the next three years or so, we will see a new new Nintendo, a new Nintendo Switch or a new Nintendo console. I don't know if it's going to be called a Switch at that point. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do, just because they have dedicated themselves to having a console which is both portable and a console. Yeah. 
I don't think they can move away from that now. Now that they have given us that, now they have said that hey, you can take this. This is a portable console, and you can make it in, uh, and you can put it on your TV. They can't have a new console that says. Oh yeah, so we we're moving away from that now. This is the console that's only meant for your TV. No, I don't think they can do that, especially because that's their big, um, you know, like their main selling point for exactly. a lot of people. The whole switch and like the yeah, the yeah. click noise, right? So I think that's obviously very important. And they just released Switch Lite, which is their solely portable console. Oh my god, that ad worked so well. Yeah, I just saw the entire ad in my head when you snapped your fingers. See, I mean that's that's <laughs> amazing marketing, and this yeah. is why Nintendo gets so many sales. This is why Nintendo is able to get so many people on board. I always use. My sister is as an example as well because my sister is not, not she's not really a gamer, but she saw the Nintendo Switch ad. She saw Mario. She said, "You know what?" She she messaged me. She said, "Aman, like, is this cool? Is this, is this a, a, a new console? What, what? Tell me about it." I told her, "Yeah, it's a new console. It's Nintendo. They have really good games coming out." She got it, and I remember she got Breath of the Wild. I got Breath of the Wild, and I had just gotten into it. And within a week or two weeks, my sister was already like a hundred or hundred something hours yeah. in. She was. Messaging me, she was telling me a lifelong, lifelong gamer what to do in Zelda, and for me that was such an amazing experience. Just ha- being able to talk to my sister about that, yeah. and having my sister call me and say, "Oh, you should try this. You should do this. You should do that." And I was like, "Wow, this is- I never thought this day would come." The tables have turned, right? And <laughs> and this is all because of Nintendo. So Nintendo does a really good job in making sure you know they they market the consoles to everyone. I think that's why that's the strategy they're using. They don't need to have. A- they don't need to release a new console. They don't need to go. For the Call of Duty audience, because to be honest, anyone that has a PS4 or a PC or Xbox One will look at, hey, should I get a Nintendo console? You know, when people are over, I want to play Mario Party. I want to play Mario Kart. Yeah, I think you can have like all three, and you still need the Switch to kind of complete all your gaming needs. Exactly. I feel like Nintendo, Nintendo's console are so complementary that it's just a console that you need to have. Yeah. And it's it works so well with the family. It works so well with. People that come over and you want to play with your friends, you know, a lot of these other consoles are so focused on online and playing online stuff like that. Nintendo is one of those consoles that still to this day promotes couch co-op and you playing on the couch, mm-hmm. which I love. So, good on Nintendo to to just sticking with their with their guns, and it'll be interesting to see what they do and what they release this year. Uh, another another cool news that just came out: um, Astro Bot director promoted to PlayStation Japan studio head. So this is again from Andy Robinson from Video Game Chronicles. Afterbot Rescue Mission Director Nicholas Doucette has been promoted to head of PlayStation's Japan studio. Uh, it was announced on Monday. The developer is known for games such as Ico, Shadow of the Colossus, Everybody's Golf, Gravity Rush, Knack, Loco Roco, and Ape Escape. So PlayStation Japan studio is a pretty big studio. They have released some amazing games like Shadow of the Colossus, which is one of my favorite games as well. And everybody's golf, which I, which is a golf game I really, really enjoy. I haven't played the VR version of that game, but the reason I wanted to bring this up was because I recently tried out Astrobot and I finished the game as well. Astrobot uh, VR, uh, VR mission. I think that's what's called Astrobot Rescue Mission. Sorry, mm-hmm. Astrobot Rescue Mission on PSVR, and I was just amazed. I remember telling you about it as well. That yeah. wow, this is. I'm amazed what they were able to do with VR with this game and the way they integrated VR with platforming. It was. It had amazing soundtrack. It had an amazing atmosphere. It was funny. It was cute. And like the way you were battling stuff, uh, it was. It was just a, such an amazing mix that I never thought they could do this in VR. When I saw this, I thought this would be something very gimmicky. This would be them trying to find a way to sell their sell their they sell their PSVR units. Basically, I I didn't think that this would be a big a, a game that I would look back and say, hey, this is actually one of my favorite games of the year. 
and I was just so amazed. So having the person that was the main director or the person that was the head of that game, you know, being the head of PlayStation Japan Studios, I think they're in really good hands. This person obviously knows how to innovate, how to use new technology, new things, and put it together and give a really, really cool experience. So I'm pretty excited to see what he does in the future, uh, and yeah, with PS5 coming out as well, who knows? Who knows what he's going? What he's probably working on something already. It'll be pretty interesting to see what PlayStation Japan Studio comes up with at the end of the year. So the next news item, this I am excited for. The next two <laughs> things, these are these are rumors, but you know who knows? I I, I love talking about rumors. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I know I I love speculating. So Ratchet and Clank could be a PS5 launch game. Please, please, please <laughs> let this be true. Tyler Fisher from Comic Book, uh, so this is in quotes, according to a new report, a new Ratchet & Clank game is, is currently in development for PlayStation 5 via Insomniac Games and Sony Interactive Entertainment. Further, it's mentioned that the game may be ready for launch of the PlayStation 5 later this year. The report comes way of former industry journalist Colin Moriarty, who shared the scoop during a recent podcast of Sacred, Single, Sacred Symbols Plus, uh, end quote. Of course, a really, really awesome news item. I think this is really cool. If yeah. if there is a new Ratchet and Clank that comes out at the end of the end of the year with a PS Five, like I think that's a system seller in my opinion. I loved the reboot that they just did. A lot like the movie wasn't that great, but along with the movie, they did a reboot that came out on PS Four. Uh, it was a game that didn't exactly cost sixty dollars either. It was actually a cheaper game as well, and I think that was fitting. But it was just done so well. It was so fun. I really liked it. And I kept waiting. I'm like, why are they not making a sequel? What are they waiting for? And now looking back at it, it totally makes sense that they're, you know, they, they held their guns. They they focused on Spider-Man, which came out in 2018. And now Insomniac is, they, I know they have a bigger team now. So I'm sure they're working on Spider-Man too. So it just makes sense that they are also focused on Ratchet and & Clank and a sequel that hits the stores right as the PS5 launches. I think it will get a lot of new people in, a lot of newcomers in, and especially with PS5 being backwards compatible, people can play the older Ratchet or the old Ratchet Clank game as well. I don't know about the older ones that came out in PS2 and PS3 days. Hopefully, yeah, they, they have might be too far. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> too far back. they did say that the backward compatibility should hopefully go all the way back. We don't know; that's not confirmed, but we do know that it is backward compatible with PS4. So at least people will get to experience the Ratchet Clank that was remastered and came out for the PS4. So this was really awesome. I really hope it's true. But yeah, we'll definitely. If it is true, a lot of people will be very happy. Exactly. People like myself who grew up on PlayStation are you know, probably jumping for joy right now just <laughs> reading about this. But you, you never know. It's still a rumor. Uh, hopefully Sony does announce something soon. So next news item, again, another another story. I think this is just catered to me. The, the, the first half. <laughs> All news catered to you. Yeah, the first half of, the first half of, this, of, this, of these news stories are just catered to me. Uh, but Uncharted 5 is rumored to be in development at an unnamed studio at Sony. So this is Aaron Hans from Happy Gamer. Uh, so in quotes, uh, even though Naughty Dog seemingly, seemingly ended Nathan Drake's story in 2016's Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, it appears that the series will continue, but it will be developed by a new studio. This is according to a recent Reddit leak, which fe featured a ton of new information regarding the PlayStation 5. The fifth main installment of Uncharted will be released on the PS5 in 2021, but instead of being developed by Naughty Dog, who released four main games, Drake's Fortune, Among Thieves, Drake's Deception, and A Thief's End, and One Side Story, The Lost Legacy, the next game is going to be developed by a new unnamed Sony-owned studio. Recently, Nolan North, who is the voice actor of, uh, of Nathan Drake, said on Twitter that he's ready to break out his climbing gear for a fifth game. 
Of course, the game is probably already in development if Sony wants to meet its rumored 2021 release date window, end quote. So I believe, I totally believe this just because Uncharted is such a big property. It is, at this point of time, it's so, it is connected to the Sony brand and the PlayStation brand name. You can't sell a PlayStation console without having an Uncharted game on it. They, they, uh, uh, the, it was never there on the PS1, PS2, but PS3, when Uncharted 1, 2, and 3 came out, that was the system seller. I remember that Uncharted 2 was the reason I wanted to pick up a PS3. Just because I, when I saw that game, I saw how it looked, how cool it looked, and it gave you Indiana Jones vibes. Again, for me, I love soundtrack. The soundtrack looked really, really cool the way it went. It had, like, it had a very cinematic approach to gaming, which I hadn't seen before. And of course, the voice acting was really great. The story is really cool. And with PS4, they didn't release as many Uncharted games. They released Uncharted 4, which was which was awesome. Uh, of course, you know the the main the main creator of Uncharted was not there for Uncharted 4, but it was Uncharted 4 was still handled by Neil Druckmann, who is an industry veteran, and of course he's the creator of The Last of Us, and he's working on The Last of Us Part 2 right now. So, you know, I I totally see that there's an Uncharted 5 being made. I can I do understand that Naughty Dog. When, they when it comes to them making games, they always, similar to Rockstar games, they focus on quality and they focus on what they feel like doing. So I think that with Uncharted 4, for them, that was where Uncharted ended. For them, that was a spot where we, we can leave the story where it is and move on. Yeah. But I'm sure Sony is, is saying that, I mean, okay, that's great for you guys, but <laughs> you know what? We, we, wanna, we want there to be a new Uncharted and not just an Uncharted colon something. We want it to be Uncharted 5. So all those people that played Uncharted 1, 2, 3, 4 are excited and they see it. They're like, oh, Uncharted 5? What are they going to do next? Drake is back because Nathan Drake and Uncharted go so well together. Uncharted Lost Legacy was uh, was a side story that was done with, I believe it was Chloe and Nadia. I could be getting the, the names wrong, but I, 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 I'm, I'm almost certain that that's the names. But it was basically a side story, and they were in, in India, and they were exploring the, like in ruins in India and stuff like that. It was really cool. It was a really cool story. I really liked it. And I thought that that's the approach they would take, is they would make side stories with the side characters that yeah. were in those, in those games, right? So it was Uncharted Lost Legacy. Maybe there would be Uncharted Lost Legacy Part 2. Or maybe there would be Uncharted colon something, and they would use, not Nathan Drake, but you know two other characters yeah. or another character that, that we met in the, in the game or in the, in the franchise earlier. So that's kind of what I was thinking, but if they do make an Uncharted 5 and Nathan Drake is back, I, I do want to, I'm pretty excited to see how they would approach that. Just because the way Uncharted, uh, Uncharted 4 A Thief's End ends uh, is is very interesting. You know, obviously I, it's been a very long time since the game came out. I obviously don't want to spoil anything, but still I just want, I'm, I'm interested to see how they approach it. If they do bring Nathan Drake back, that's awesome. I'll be in for it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they give it to a or an already owned studio by Sony, or they actually make a whole new studio that is solely that is solely focused on Uncharted games. Because I we've seen that with Microsoft. Microsoft has made three four three industries that focuses only on Halo games. They have the Coalition, which focuses only on Gears of War games. So it's it might be interesting to see if Sony takes the same approach. We don't know, but I wanted to bring this up just because. Just because it was so interesting and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Hopefully. I think if they can, they will. I mean, nostalgia is such a great selling point that it makes sense. Exactly. And I think they, they understand that going to the new generation, they need they need some big hitters. Uh, especially with Xbox launching with Halo Infinite, which is a pretty big hitter. Uh, especially the Halo franchise being so big. And again, we'll, we'll talk more about the fall games later on. 
So the next few reports are just based on uh, some some of the investor calls and fiscal reports that came out from both Microsoft and, and Sony. So Xbox revenue is down. This is Dave Thier from Forbes. Microsoft, uh, in quotes, Microsoft's quarterly gaming revenue fell 21% year over year for second quarter of fiscal year 2020, according to recently, re recently released earnings. That's a significant number, but Microsoft says that it's not actually all that bad, particularly here at the end of a console cycle and in the midst of the run-up to the Xbox Series X, end quotes. So I, I, this is expected. It's the end of the generation. A lot of people do understand there's a new console coming out. They'll wait. I know there's a lot of sales going on. This is like, this is actually the perfect time to buy a console just because there's so many sales and you have so many games like you can get at one in, in one go all the exclusives. When, in Microsoft's case, you have Xbox Game Pass, which is the best deal in gaming. You get 100-something games, all their exclusives, yeah. everything. And you and I think initially, uh, before the actual monthly price that you have to pay, you can pay, I think, a dollar and get three months. And then you pay, I think, it's like 10 or $12 per month, which is pretty good. Which is still, like, really good. Exactly. You get $1 for three months, and you can basically play all the exclusives and all the stuff that Microsoft owns yeah. or Xbox owns. I think that's a pretty good deal. And just kind of piggyback on that, uh, this uh, this is for Sony. This is from Giuseppe Nelva from Twinfinite. Uh, in quotes, today, Sony announced its financial results for the third quarter of the fiscal year 2019, which relates to the period between October 1st and December 31st, 2019. First of all, we get an update on the PS4 units shipped during the quarter. 6.1 million units were purchased by retailers worldwide, which means that the grand total as of December 31st is at 108.9 million units. Sales were significantly down 20% year-on-year due to a decrease in PS4 hardware sales and third-party software sales. So, first of all, congratulations Sony for, again, 109 million consoles. Yeah, this is amazing. Uh, Xbox or Microsoft, we know that they don't they don't uh, disclose their sales numbers for consoles anymore. They only talk about subscriptions and how many subscriptions they have, uh, which is you know good on them to focusing on that because I do see the value in Xbox Game Pass. Uh, but PlayStation, I mean, they they keep selling, and again, same same reason as Xbox. It makes sense that overall twenty percent. Uh, so twenty percent down in terms of their sales year on year. That makes sense. Yeah. PS Five is coming out. They literally released a teaser of PS Five with a with literally an Instagram post on, P on that just says PS Five. So they're like, we're formally announcing the name of our new console is PS Five. It's like, <laughs> wow, thank you. We uh, we could not have figured that out. This is amazing news. And I believe that Instagram post was one of the most liked posts of all time, especially video game related. Wow. I mean, that's how popular Sony is. That's yeah. how big Sony is, right? So. I think I think it'll be interesting to see what happens later on this year. I'm 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 pretty excited for their console, but yeah, this is expected. But I just wanted to kind of bring this up just to kind of let just to kind of bring it up because it was in the news. I just want to talk about it as well. So this next one is really really interesting. I remember I kind of brought it up to you when I saw this go live. So this is Platinum Games, the wonderful one on one remaster was launched on Kickstarter and it was extremely successful. Yeah, extremely successful. I, know. I saw the numbers go up. Like crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I, it was interesting because they only asked for around fifty-five thousand or like sixty thousand dollars to release it on Switch to remaster it for the Nintendo Switch, and the other goals, I think it was around two fifty thousand or five hundred thousand. Was if you if we get that much, we'll release it for PC. Yeah. If we get five hundred thousand, we'll release it for release it for PS4. So obviously, it's, I think when I checked before before record, uh, us recording this, it was at one point nine million. So wow. they asked for they asked for fifty five thousand or fifty thousand, and they're at one point nine million already. Okay, 
So I just kind of want to bring this up. This is from Rachel England from Engadget. In quotes, Platinum Games' colorful action adventure was originally released in 2013 for the Nintendo Wii U. Now it's getting the modern console treatment and will be coming to PS4, Switch, and PC thanks to a hugely successful crowdfunding campaign that looks to get looks set to hit a whopping 1.5 million. Of course, we know that it's, it's already crossed that. Um, <laughs> given the tight delivery timeframes, Platinum Games says it will ship in April 2020. So this is what I want to talk about. This I found interesting. So they're going to ship this game in, in the next two months. That means this game was already ready. So they didn't need a Kickstarter for them to actually release this game. This game was already ready and made, they remastered or, or whatnot. I think they just, I, I'm not sure why they launched this Kickstarter. Yeah. If this was them just covering all their bases and making sure that they get the money, the, the return. So now people have, this is a, a, almost like, this is again my opinion, I apologize if I offend anyone, but this is almost like a glorified pre-order campaign. That hey, go on there, give us money for this Kickstarter stuff. But you know, if you pay like I think it was forty dollars, forty five dollars, whatever, you can like you can basically pre-order the game. You can get the game digitally. So this was almost it almost to me felt like a glorified pure campaign. When I saw that, I honestly when I saw this campaign go live, I thought it would come out at the end of the year or next year. Me too. That's super interesting though. I wonder if they would have um, made the same amount if they had just done pre-orders instead. I, I mean, of seeing, advertising it as a campaign. You know? That's like seeing the, seeing the the, the amount of love that people have for this for this franchise and how quickly that number went from fifty thousand to one point nine million. Yeah. You know, you can see how popular this game franchise is or this IP. I never played it because I didn't have a Nintendo Wii U, but I always heard good things about it. So it's interesting that you know if they did take that approach of just putting it on pre-order, uh, just putting like the pre-orders live and letting you pre-order the game. Uh, it, I think this is them covering their bases at the Kickstarter campaign. I'm not sure how it exactly works or I think this is them self-publishing the game. So they're not getting Nintendo or Capcom or any of the big publishers to publish the game for them. So I think this is them basically getting the publishing funding money from, from us, basically from consumers and basically using that to publish the, to self-publish the game so that whenever they do make a sale out of a game or if anyone does buy the game they obviously take a bigger cut right because if someone else is publishing your, your game you know the, the card is distributed in terms of the retailer the publisher and then it's the developer yeah right that's kind of how it how it breaks down so it, it is interesting you know obviously i don't want to rain down the parade or anything like that you know i don't want to talk about it too much but it was interesting that when i saw that it was going to release in april 2020 so i'm like Wait, there's no way you can develop or remaster this game in two months. So basically, you were working on this for a long time. Yeah. You basically have it ready. And for me, again, the interesting thing was they asked for five hundred thousand for PS4 and the P and two hundred fifty thousand or so for the PC. So I found that interesting that they basically maybe had that game or had those had those remasters ready, but they were holding off saying we fifty thousand is what you need for Switch, which is okay. That's like a small amount. For PC and PS4, they're like, yeah, but we need a lot more for that. So I'm like, okay, wait, how how is that? Is it because Sony asked for a bigger cut? Is it because yeah. Steam asked for a bigger cut? I just found that interesting. But it, all in all, I'm pretty excited to see a Crisis game out. I hadn't played it, but I heard really good things. I love Platinum Games. Uh, their game near Automata was really, really awesome more recently. And of course, I played their older games like, like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff like that, which I really liked. I know that was not a game that everyone really, really enjoyed, but I, I really, really liked it. Um, even stuff like Transformers and stuff like that, stuff that made in the past. So uh, the next news item actually kind of connects with this because once they launched the remaster 
uh, uh, Kickstarter campaign. They were kind of going around doing a lot of uh, interviews and just talking to people. And they even talked to Video Game Chronicles. So this is from Tom Ivan from Video Game Chronicles. Uh, uh, in quotes, Platinum Games has said that it is too early to say whether Astral Chain will go multi-platform. Uh, so Astral Chain was a, multi was, a, was a Switch exclusive that came out from Platinum Games just last year. And there has been reports of them kind of talking to interviewers and saying that they might, depending on how Nintendo approaches or depending on Nintendo themselves, they might actually release Astral Chain on, on other platforms, which is a big controversy when the, the game came out for Nintendo Switch. So people were really upset that the game only came out for Nintendo Switch, that it didn't come out for PS4 or for Steam. So kind of continuing with the, with the, with the news item, uh, speaking to VGC in an interview focused on the newly announced Kickstarter campaign for the Wonderful 101, Platinum Studio head Atsushi Inaba didn't rule out the possibility of Astral Chain following in the Wii U game's footsteps by making the jump to non-Nintendo systems. In the case of Astral Chain, it's an IP that's owned half by Platinum and half by Nintendo, he said. So right now, it just came out and it's too early to say. For the time being, we're just hoping that it's a success for the Nintendo Switch and we'll see how it goes from there. So it's pretty interesting. I guess I mean, the main main thing is because the Wonderful 101 was only was a Nintendo exclusive and now obviously it's coming out to like everything, yeah. uh, you know, including Nintendo, uh, except Xbox, which is interesting. But I think that's kind of why people were hoping that, hey, maybe, th maybe this will be the same thing that happens with Astral Chain. And it's interesting to know that Nintendo owns half of it and, and Platinum Games owns half of it. So both of them kind of need each other to do anything with that, with that game. So I think, I think as long as Astral Chain continues to sell for Nintendo Switch, Nintendo will probably want to keep it exclusive. But I think once they kind of reach that tail end of those of, the, of that sales cycle, and since Nintendo does own half of it, I think Nintendo themselves will be like, yeah, why not release it for PC and for for PS4? Because they'll also get a cut from that. Yeah. At least that's what, what I'm taking away from this. Yeah, exactly. So it should be interesting. I I have Nintendo Switch. I haven't played this, I haven't played that game yet. Uh, I do want to try it out. But if it does come out on PC or PS4, I'll be playing that game with 4K, playing that game <laughs> fully decked out and stuff like that would be would be pretty awesome. But yeah, good on good on them to be for being so transparent. I love that developers are so transparent about this stuff nowadays. Yeah. Usually, everyone's so hush hush about everything. Um, continuing with Platinum Games again, this this was a one story that I found really interesting because I was really excited about this game, but it got cancelled by Microsoft. So Platinum Games would love to finish Scalebound with Microsoft permission. So this is by Chris Priestman from IGN. Uh, in quotes, Platinum Games says it would love to finish making its cancelled action RPG Scalebound one day but would need Microsoft's permission to do so. Earlier this year, Platinum, Platinum announced it was expecting to have a big 2020, partly due to the studio making a move towards self-publishing. Producer Asushi Inaba spoke to Eurogamer.pt recently about this and was asked if being able to self-publish could mean Scalebound would one day be finished. Um, so uh, the producer himself speaks. Uh, again, it, again, it's a good question, but this was an intellectual property that belongs 100% to Microsoft, Inaba said. Whatever happens with this project, we can't really do anything with it unless Microsoft leaves us. But it's a game that we fall in love with and love. I apologize because this is all translated by Google, as I, I, I should have mentioned it earlier. Uh, so there might be some things that are like, uh, uh, that weren't translated well. But he was, he was he's saying, but it's a game that we fall in love with and love. If the opportunity arises, it's something we would love to return to. I don't know if I was reading that long or if I, I, I apologize. I was just getting a little confused there. But basically, they would obviously love to come back to that if Microsoft allows them to do so. 
I think there, well, there, I, I'm not sure if this was actually the reasoning, but from reports, one of the reasons that Platinum Games didn't continue working with Microsoft was, of course, the game wasn't up to par or where it should have been at that point. But at the same time, Microsoft was being very hands-on, from what I can tell. Yeah. They were being very hands-on. They weren't letting them letting the the studio do their own thing, letting Platinum Games do what Platinum Platinum Games does well. And I think that was uh, that was a, a big issue. But I like that they're they're kind of putting that out there that hey, Microsoft, if you want, I know the Xbox Series X is coming out. We would love to come back and make it, you know, make this game, make make this game that people were pretty excited for. So I was pretty excited for this. And once once it was it came out that it got canceled, I was like, okay, what's the point of having? Like, I remember this day specifically because that was the only game I remember I was so excited for on the Xbox One, yeah. and I had the Xbox One, and then that got canceled. And I'm like, I'm like, I look forward in terms of what games were coming out on Xbox One, and I'm like, so there's like no exclusives anymore. It's all third party games. And I remember I was so disappointed. I was I was just like, okay, what is the point of me having this Xbox One? And I remember specifically going and selling my Xbox One and putting it towards a Nintendo Switch exactly <laughs> around that time. Obviously, I have an Xbox One X now, which I, which I love because of Xbox Game Pass. Yeah. But yeah, but like, I mean, of course, it will be awesome if they if they make it, make a, make this game and hopefully make a comeback. Um, this, this industry, of course, uh, sad news in, in terms of PlayStation Studios. This comes from Christopher Dring from GameIndustry.biz. So PlayStation closes another VR studio. PlayStation will close its Manchester Game Studio. The firm confirmed to GameIndustry.biz that it, it, it intends to close, close it as a part of our efforts to improve efficiency and operational effectiveness. We understand the entire studio has been made redundant. Sony's, Sony's Manchester team was formed to create VR games back in 2015. The firm had been working on an unnamed VR project. It is the third UK studio PlayStation has closed over the course of this generation, with Guerrilla Cambridge closing in 2017 and Evolution in 2016. Both studios had also worked on PlayStation VR projects before being closed. So this studio was solely made for, for PSVR games. So I don't think this, is, this means that you know sony isn't focusing on psvr i think it was just an issue of maybe the games not being up to par or maybe sony shifting their resources when it comes to their vr games to other studios so you know obviously it's unfortunate for all the people that work in the studio that, that were working on on their projects at that studio yeah of course and to hear that the entire studio has been made redundant yeah exactly <laughs> so i mean hopefully i'm hoping that they uh, the, the, the employees at the studios were maybe scattered across other PlayStation studios itself and they were, yeah, they were working relocated. on other projects. Yeah, and maybe they're working on other projects there. Um, again, like I, I think the main thing was that I was reading things here and there about how people were wondering whether or not this was a bad sign when it comes to PSVR. Everyone, you know, it's, it's one main takeaway, is one thing everyone should know is that PSVR is the best-selling VR unit out there. Uh, PS4, I, I think the last sales number was around 5 million, which is way more than Oculus, way more than HTC Vive, uh, or even the, the Valve Index, which just came out. So, you know, PSVR is quite successful, and I think it'll only sell more numbers just because so many people have a PlayStation console, whereas not everyone has a big, you know, big gaming rig to be able to hook up their, their, their VR units to. I think that will all change because of Oculus Quest, because Oculus Quest gives you that freedom of having just the Oculus headset without having any wires anything like that or a big gaming pc oculus came after right no oculus came before really? so oculus was there way before psvr but of course they just oculus had good games but it was just the issue of having a gaming pc right more people will have like that like we just talked about 109 million 
PS4 consoles. You can only imagine how many people have a gaming PC that is not just a gaming PC, but has a really good GPU, uh, a, a CPU that can handle a, a VR a VR headset, right? It's because it, the VR headset and the VR games are not compatible with every single PC out there. Yeah, but you don't need that with the Quest. Exactly, that's that's the point, right? So yeah. the Quest just came out. Quest just came out last oh, year. Oh, that's what I was talking about. Okay, Oculus yeah. Quest. So Oculus Rift came out a while back, yeah. many years back, but Oculus Quest just came out. So it will be interesting, interesting to see how Oculus Quest does with PSVR in the, in the future. But I think I, I, can, I think Oculus Quest will definitely catch up because I see how Oculus Quest is always sold out on Amazon nowadays. And, you know, I also have an Oculus Quest. I fucking love my, my Oculus Quest. That thing is, that thing is amazing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future. So the next news item uh, is PS5 official website says that Sony is not quite ready to fully unveil the next ge- next gen console. I don't know why I said unveil <laughs> like that. Apologize. <laughs> unveil. I, I know. Unveil the next gen console. This is coming from Jonathan Dornbush from IGN. We've begun to share some of the incredible features you can expect from PlayStation 5. This is in quotes. But we're not quite ready to fully unveil the next generation of PlayStation. Sign up below to be among the first. Oh, so this is basically on the website. This is basically a, a website sign up where you can put your email in and it will basically allow you to get information about the PS5 whenever, if it does or whenever it does come out. So I think that was just interesting because everyone was looking forward to an unveiling of, of Sony's new console this month in February specifically. But it seems like it's, nothing's it's not going to happen. Yeah, at this point, I don't think it's going to happen. I think more likely it, it might happen in March or maybe even May uh, because that's just because it's a little close to E3, which happens in June. So maybe they want to get ahead of E3 and un- unveil something there and then maybe talk more about it around E3 as well, even though they're not going to be at E3 this year. So that was one thing I just found interesting. Just kind of wanted to bring it up. Uh, and yeah, I mean, if you want, you can go to the, the, the website and, and sign up there. You can, you know get hopefully some news items i i signed up i didn't get anything any information yet i was i was hoping that maybe if i sign up you'll get like a, a like a an email being like oh by the way this is what it is or something maybe they, maybe they want to see who the hardcore the fans secret. are yeah the, who, who the hardcore fans are you know so it'll be interesting um so the next news item again from ign ps5 price is a balancing act and it may be influenced by the xbox series x price so this is coming from chris priestman from ign Sony had its Q3 earnings call this week, uh, during which it was announced that the PS4 just had its lowest Christmas sales period. Uh, we kind of went over this. I'm just going to skip over that. Um, the chief financial officer, Hiroki Totoki, stated he, inst- he intends to ensure a smooth transition for Sony from the PS4 to PS5, but he was questioned on how he will do this and asked which cost Sony can control. And the answer is complicated, well, complicated when it comes to how Sony will price the PS5, Totoki said. Uh, in quotes, first, we must absolutely control the labor costs, the personnel costs. It must be controlled, and it leads to what should be recognized as a cost. We will definitely control that. In the initial ramp-up, how much can we prepare? Initially, we will work on the production and the sales, and we will have to prepare the right volume as we launch this. What is not very clear or visible is because we are com- competing in this space, so it's very difficult to discuss anything about the price at this point of time. And depending upon the price level, we may have to determine the promotion that we are going to deploy and how much cost we are prepared to pay. So it's a question of balance. And because it's a balancing act, it's very difficult to say anything concrete at this point of time. But when I said a smooth transition, we mean that we will definitely choose the optimal approach and that we would try to have the best balance so that we will be profitable in the life during the life of this product. 
Um, it's interesting because I think this is basically saying that Sony obviously has a price in mind, but they don't want to say anything until Xbox says something first. Yeah. I think they're waiting for Xbox to some, come out and say, our console is $5.99, and then PS4 comes, PS5 or Sony comes out and says, ours is going to be 4 dollars So they're waiting. I mean, it makes sense, right? You, you'll have your own price in mind depending on what it costs to you, but it's all relative. So you do need to take the competitor into account. Exactly. And I think that's kind of what they're realizing. I think they're, they want to make sure that they don't price exactly as Xbox just because I'm not sure if they know this. I'm not sure if they know the hardware specs behind the new Series X console that will come out this year, but maybe they know that the Series X might be more powerful. Maybe they know that it might be not as powerful. Who knows, right? But they want to make sure that they are undercutting Xbox in some sense to make sure that everyone coming in sees, anyone new that's coming in sees that, you know what, the Xbox Series X is there, but that's a little bit more expensive than Sony. And I think it'll be interesting to see if, what if both both sides are kind of aware of this now that all this stuff is out? <laughs> They're both waiting. Exactly. So, <laughs> so what, what if Xbox comes out and says, ours is going to be 599 and Sony's like, ours is going to be 549 then Then Xbox is like, we're, we're lying. It's actually going to be 499 <laughs> And they just keep undercutting each other. I mean, that'd be great and, for us. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I think that, that's one thing that a lot of people have to always take away from stuff like this is that Console Wars, in a sense, obviously does not bring out the best when it comes to fans and consumers in a way, yeah. but it is very beneficial to consumers. <laughs> you see them undercutting each other and, and giving you a product which is you know, cheaper, which will be better than the other, which will have amazing games. That's one of the reasons Sony is where, where it's at right now because of the PS3 uh, and Xbox 360 generation because PS3 fell behind because of the price. They priced it way too high. They didn't have amazing games in the start, but then they started investing in their studios. And then we had games like Uncharted. We had games like The Last of Us, and they kept kept hitting those hitting those marks. And towards the end, PS3 sold as much as the Xbox, if not more than the Xbox. I think they actually oversold or like outsold uh, the Xbox 360 last generation. So it'll be so uh, you know, and, and with PS4, obviously we saw how well they're well they're doing when it comes to their their exclusives. So it'll be interesting to see how Sony reacts to Microsoft. But I think I think for us overall, this is a good thing. So I just kind of want to bring that up just because, yeah, this is the first kind of bit of news we have, or any news, I should say, for, for the PlayStation. <laughs> I feel we're just, hung, we're just so hungry for PS5 news at this point that we just want anything. Um, so going back to IGN again, this is from Matt Kim from IGN. There's a report that the Xbox Series X mystery port on the back. There's, a, there's leaked images of the Xbox Series X, and there's like a weird port on the back that people couldn't figure out what it's for. Oh. People saw that there's like a USB port, there's a port for this, for the Ethernet, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but this report basically says that the Xbox Series, Series X mystery port might be for an expandable storage. So uh, again, the format might came from IGN. Uh, so according to a new report, the mysterious port on the back of the leaked Xbox Series X image may have been identified and it could be for expandable storage. In a new report from Microsoft Insider blog, uh, Thorot, am I seeing that correct? Yeah. Right, Microsoft Microsoft Insider, uh, Thorot, the long narrow port between the HDMI and digital audio port may be meant for an expandable storage solution, though not one that we've seen on console hardware before. The port isn't a traditional expandable storage unit port, however, it's seemingly too big for an SD card and too small for an SSD. Instead, a reader of of the blog offered a different explanation a type B CF Express card. The report agrees that the port could fit a CFE CF Express card, which can be used to add storage to a console, but CF Express cards are currently quite expensive 
and models offering 512 gigabytes of storage cost as much as $600. Oh my god. So that's, that's basically buying a new console. That's so, crazy. I think that was just interesting. Everyone was wondering what that what that port was. Some people were thinking that maybe that's like an upgrade or update port or support or something on the back for developers or something. Uh, maybe it was like a proprietary port of some sorts, but it was just interesting to see. What if they themselves will, will sell it? I think that's kind of what people were speculating. I think that's what people were speculating in the end that, you know, they might make some sort of SD card, something that they will sell. and Like maybe, their own storage. Exactly, right? Yeah. Because that's an issue that a lot of people go with video games nowadays is the amount of space it takes, right? Red Dead Redemption 2 took up on my PC around like 120 gigabytes. I mean, Call of Duty wow. is like 100 something gigabytes. So if they release a console that's one terabyte, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of this space, obviously you can delete stuff and whatever and reinstall stuff, you know, but that's obviously a big hassle, especially yeah. if you don't have crazy download speeds or obviously if you have a disc, that's fine. But if you do buy your games digitally, you know, it's, it maybe it, we're lucky here in Toronto, a lot of us get unlimited data uh, with our plans for internet but a lot of people have you know a certain bandwidth a certain uh, certain download limit per yeah. month so if you have 500 gigabytes or something per month and your on game <laughs> is 100 gigabytes to install you know you can't keep installing it deleting again and again yeah. so i think they they do need to find a way especially now that they're moving towards ssd which is more expensive i think they need to find a way to either make sure that they these consoles have a, a very large SSD pre-installed, like maybe like two terabytes almost, or they come with a terabyte, but they, they say that, hey, if you want two terabytes, we do sell it. And obviously it should be a reasonable price. It can be, if it's more than like, like a hundred bucks or something for extra storage, I'm pretty sure it might most likely will be <laughs> just because it's SSD, right? I feel yeah. like it was, it was a hard drive with a different story, but you can get SSD pretty cheaper, like some SSDs for cheap as well. But, you know, I, I'm hoping that they, they are reasonable when it comes to their pricing structure yeah. hopefully they, they they do that well as well so that was another interesting thing um this next news item comes from uh push push square from sammy barker uh the, the main headline is that xbox boss doesn't see sony as competition going forward um so phil spencer who's the xbox boss he was giving an interview with the website protocol and he said in quotes when you talk about nintendo and sony we have a ton of respect for them but we see amazon and google as the main competitors going forward that's not to disrespect Nintendo and Sony, but the traditional gaming companies are somewhat out of position. I guess they could try to recreate Azure, which is their, uh, which is their server, their, their streaming, can't they use that for streaming, their streaming service as well. Uh, but we've invested tens of billions of dollars in cloud over the years, end quote. So this was interesting. Uh, this is kind of Microsoft, obviously, I think this is an approach they're taking now because of how bad Microsoft did in this generation. I think it will be a different story if Xbox would win this generation. They will stick their guns like the way Sony is sticking with their guns with PlayStation. Yeah. They're, they move towards Xbox Game Pass and to this idea of having a subscription-based or a cloud-based future, mainly because of how bad they were doing overall. And they said that, okay, we, we need to shift gears because we, we bought a bunch of studios now. We have a bunch of studios under the Microsoft Game Studios umbrella, but all of them will take a few years or if yeah, actually a lot, a lot of time because a lot of them were already working on existing games that are, have just come out. Uh, you know, they will not come up with a new game specific, purely a, a Microsoft exclusive game for a while. Yeah. So I think they realize that they can't release a new game in this space uh, up till the point of Xbox Series X coming out this year, and they start shifting their attention to that. You know, what what if we move towards a subscription future like Netflix and find a way to get 
people who have a PlayStation, a PC, or a Nintendo Switch to not necessarily buy a console, but just in, just subscribe to us. And that's what I've done. I have an Xbox Series X, uh, Xbox One X, sorry. But you know, I've I subscribe to Xbox Game Pass, and whenever their X Cloud, which is their streaming based uh, service that comes out, I think this year, some, at some point this year, I'll probably subscribe to that too. And I think that's actually combined with Xbox Game Pass. And I love that it's also connected to my PC so I can actually play those games on my PC as well. So I think they are going towards more of an, of an ecosystem approach rather than you need to buy an Xbox Series X. Instead, they're saying that you don't need to buy an Xbox Series X, you can buy an Xbox One X if you want, or you can buy an Xbox One or an Xbox One S, whatever you want. Or you can just subscribe to us and play your games on your PC. And yeah. I think over time, they will take an approach where you can get xCloud or Xbox Game Pass in some capacity on the Nintendo Switch, in some capacity on your phone or something. Because I know xCloud will be on your phones. Yeah. But I think that's kind of what they're going for. They want they want to approach. That's kind of what he brought up, that they're competing with Amazon and Google. Yeah. Because Amazon and Google is going with their, their service-based approach to reach 7 billion people rather than... You know, as we saw with PS4 selling 110 million consoles, you know, that's not like a small number. Yeah. But again, overall, the grand scheme of things, that is a very, very small amount. So I think that's kind of what they're looking at. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they how they take this approach, especially with this generation coming out. It kind of goes back to something that we discussed in the past, uh, in the last episode, where like I, I was just discussing how Xbox is going to compete with Sony this year. And it does go back go back to how... I think Sony will definitely sell more consoles than the Xbox Series X. That's like that's a no-brainer. But it'll be interesting interesting to see how many people I talk to who will have a PS5 but will be will tell me that, oh yeah, I'm also subscribed to Xbox Game Pass. You know, that's kind of what I'm more fascinated by, and I think this will do good for Xbox just because they are trying to reach uh, all all types of gamers, everyone that they can possibly reach. Yeah, but I love that though. I love seeing them adapt, you know, and finding a new way to succeed. Exactly, right? And I think that's the main thing is being able to adapt and, you know, understand that, hey, Sony has taken this generation. Nintendo has amazing IPs. They have amazing brands and stuff like that attached to Nintendo. You know, Xbox has always been known for Gears of War and Halo. And unfortunately, both those those franchises have kind of fallen off. They haven't had something really, really new, really, really big come out in a, in a little while. So for them, it's, okay, we've invested in that. We're going to invest in having good games, but... You know what? Let's let's get more gamers in. Let's not just focus on telling people that no, don't buy a PS5, buy an Xbox Series X. Instead, we want them to we want to tell them that hey, buy a PS5, but why don't you try Game Pass? It's one dollar for three months. Give it a shot. Yeah. Try out our games. Just log in, and that itself will get so many people invested in the ecosystem to the point where, for me, I'm subscribed to the ecosystem, and I don't see myself at any point unsubscribing. It's the same as my Netflix or my Prime account. Or, you know, in Canada, we have Crave TV or like a Crave TV account or Disney Plus. You, it's just something that you have and it just keeps taking money out of your account every month. Yeah. And it's just something you're subscribed to at all, all times. And they do keep putting really, really good games on, on the service, which is which is really great. So this is really interesting. Another, obviously, this is kind of going back from going from one Microsoft story to another Microsoft story. Uh, this is from Mac, Mac Kim from IGN. Gears of War boss will join Blizzard to oversee Diablo franchise. So... Rod, uh, this is from the from the article on IGN. Rod Ferguson, the Gears 5 director and head of Microsoft's The Coalition Studio, announced that he is leaving the company to join Blizzard in March. Ferguson says that he will be overseeing the Diablo franchise in his new re- new role. Ferguson began work working in games in 1996 at Microsoft 
In 2005, he joined Epic Games as part of the development team on Gears of War. He worked in some capacity on every Gears of War game, including Microsoft. Microsoft acquired. He's been working on, on these games uh, since since uh, 2005, since Epic Games was working with Microsoft, and after Gears of War, Gears of War was also the series was also acquired by Microsoft. He has been working at the Coalition Studio, which is a Microsoft-owned studio. So Ferguson last served as a director on Gears 5, which just came out last year. So. I mean, this was interesting. Uh, we were just kind of talking about how, you know, just talking about Microsoft exclusives. I just found it interesting. This was a person who was a mainstay on the franchise. He kind of was overseeing the Gears of War franchise for a very, very long time. Gears 5 came out recently and it did well. I don't know how it did well in, in terms of sales. I don't think it did too well there, but that's also because a lot of people just play the game because of Microsoft Game Pass. So, oh, yeah. so a lot of people just subscribed, play the game, Got got the, got through the story same as same way as how I, I did. I played on on my game on through Game Pass, uh, and you know I think those numbers would most likely be very very high. So it's interesting that he's going to oversee Diablo, which is a game of uh, uh, the Diablo Four, which is a game that people are looking forward to quite a bit and have been waiting for it for a very long time. Uh, and he's kind of joining Blizzard. Blizzard has not really been in the best condition right now, I should say, in terms of how they're viewed in the public eye. They've made a lot of mistakes in the last year. Uh, they've just released Warcraft 3 Reforged, which, which is Warcraft 3 Remastered, which is the old RTS game that they remastered. And that was not well received by people because they made a lot of promises in terms of how the game will work or how the game will play and certain improvements that they would make to the game. And those improvements were not there. So <laughs> they basically uh, uh, they basically lied to people in a sense and people were not happy. So it's interesting that it's interesting to see that Rod Ferguson is actually going to Blizzard and to the Diablo franchise and kind of overseeing that franchise and, and it'll be interesting to see what happens there and, and how he kind of works through all the issues that has happened in that in that uh, in that company but good on him to to kind of I, I'm sure this is also him just kind of moving on to to new things you know it's kind of how we're talking about Dan Hauser yeah. he's worked on Gears of War franchise since 2005 so he's been there for 15 years like working on on Gears of War, so he's probably like, okay, you know what? I need something new. Yeah, eventually you need a change. Especially, Definitely. yeah, especially since he's the head of Coalition, which is purely focused on Gears of War. Yeah. I'm sure he's like, okay, you know what? I need something new. <laughs> I want I want to try something new at this point. Uh, so next item again from Macken from IGN. We have a lot of items from Macken from IGN. Yeah. So please go to IGN and and just click on these articles for uh, you know just kind of give them the click through because I feel like we're using a lot of his a lot of his stuff here. Um, so this is. Ubisoft confirms that five AAA games are planned for release in late 2020 and early 2021. So uh, this article, uh, this article states, Ubisoft will release five new AAA games from 2020 to 2021, with three of them getting released by the end of this year and two being released in early 2021. And none of them will be Beyond Good and Evil 2. Beyond Good and Evil 2 uh, is a very, uh, is, is a very popular franchise, Beyond Good and Evil in general is a very popular franchise or actually just a popular game that was kind of like a cult classic but it got a big falling over time and people have been waiting for a sequel because of the way the game ended it was it, it, the way it ended was basically on a cliffhanger kind of like wow. Half-Life that people were like okay this is going to be a sequel and they themselves were yeah we're going to be working on a sequel and that game came out during the PS2 days so oh we so we've crossed PS3 we've crossed, P, crossed PS4 and we're going to PS5 so this this has skipped two generations wow Right, so this is that I think that's why they were clarifying that this is not going to be Beyond Good and Evil Two. By the way, we are working on that. They have announced it that they are working on Beyond Good and Evil Two, but it's going to take its time. 
It's so, taking so long though. I know. I mean, I'm hoping that that means that they're gonna be taking its time and making it perfect. Amazing. But, yeah. Right. Like, and uh, it's interesting to see that you know they're kind of making this announcement just as. I think an announcement was made, I think sometime late last year, that they are pushing back a lot of the games that were coming out this year. So in March, Watch Dogs, the new Watch Dogs was going to be coming. Uh, but they pushed back Watch Dogs and they haven't really announced when it's going to come. But they pushed back that game mainly because the game didn't, uh, the previous game, the Ubisoft game that came out last year, didn't do too well. Uh, there were a lot of bugs, glitches, issues with it, and they weren't selling well. Uh, and I think Mike, uh, the, and then Ubisoft, I think, realized that they need to switch the, the way they make these games because i think there was a weird at least this is what i noticed i don't i don't know if you're i'm not sure if everyone else noticed this but it was like a weird thing where ubisoft games felt like they were merging together i feel like when i would play division 2 or see ghost ghost recon breakpoint or even stuff like assassin's creed i feel like every all of them in some sense look very similar like the way you approach their, their approach to the way those games worked and the gameplay and stuff in a sense uh, maybe this is just me maybe it's just the way the engine is and stuff like that but they kind of reiterated that in a way and said that, okay, we need to diversify our games and we're going to push our games a little bit forward to kind of work on these games. So it's just them kind of announcing and letting people know that, hey, there are three, I believe it's three, yeah. There, there are three games, big Ubisoft games that will be coming out by the end of this year. So I'm pretty sure Watch Dogs is going to be one of them. There was a, a game, I believe it was called Gods and Monsters. I believe that's going to be one of them. And I think there's going to be Rainbow Six Siege Quarantine, which is their... Um, Left 4 Dead version of Rainbow Six Siege. I think that's going to be one of them as well. I think those are the, the main three games. I'm not sure it's going to be anything surprising or anything new or anything like that. Yeah. I think it's going to be... Uh, it might even be Assassin's Creed, but I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure uh, if a new Assassin's Creed might come out this year. Who knows? Especially since they pushed everything. I'm not sure if Assassin's Creed will, will fit, the, fit the bill this year. Yeah. So next news item. So we just have two more. Uh, next news item, again, from Matt Kemp from IGN. Uh, Team Ninja knows that fans want a new Ninja Gaiden. So Team Ninja is working on Neo 2. It's coming out uh, quite in, in a month, actually. Oh, uh, wow. So so Neo, Neo 2's director has revealed that developer Team Ninja is already thinking about making its next game. What's more, Team Ninja says that they're aware that there is an appetite for more Ninja, Ninja Gaiden games and that, coincidentally, they've been inspired by a recent wave of Ninja-themed video games themselves. Team Ninja is a development cell with within Koei Tecmo, known for games like Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive. During a recent preview event for Neo 2, IGN was able to sit down with the game's director, Fumihiko Yasuda, who revealed that the core members of the Neo 2 dev team worked on Ninja Gaiden and they want to make a new game soon, maybe another in the Ninja genre. Uh, in quotes, the core members of the team that worked on Ninja Gaiden want to make a new game, uh, end quotes, uh, he said. We are aware that some fans want wanted Ninja Gaiden more than Neo 2, now we see a lot of ninja games like Sekiro Shadows Die Twice as well, and we see a lot of good inspirations in those games. So we hope to deliver some good news one day. So there hasn't actually a, 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 been an official Ninja Gaiden game since 2012's Ninja Gaiden 3, so it's been eight years. And Ninja Gaiden wow. is a very well known. Have you ever heard of a Ninja Gaiden game? There were they, they released a few Ninja Gaiden games back in like the NES, SNES stuff, and then the more recent ones were the one that I kind of played, which are really hard. I mean, they're, they're known. It's kind of almost like Sekiro type of games okay. where they were really really hard and that's probably why i never finished any of them <laughs> but i really like I, the, the gameplay and everything was just so fun uh for me obviously the gore and everything looks so cool yeah. i just love the, the 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 atmosphere the vibe the culture everything like that and i, I love games that are set set in in like the, a, a, like a japan samurai kind of shinobi setting yeah, me right too. 
which is why I'm really enjoying Sekiro right now. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to Ghost of Tsushima, which is the game coming out from Sony, which is again set in that feudal Japan kind of a setting. So if they make a Ninja Gaiden, a new Ninja Gaiden, I mean that that will be awesome. But I think they're already kind of doing it with Neo. Neo is very similar in terms of how it is, like how the game works. It's very tough. It does take a few few things from the Dark Souls franchise, like the Souls franchise. Yeah. And uses that, but overall, it is a very Ninja Gaiden-like game. But I can see that people want that Ninja Gaiden, you know, uh, story and that Ninja Gaiden uh, background lore, and even I think the the main character is called Ryu Hayabusa. They want him back, you know. So I think maybe they will kind of go back, especially if they're especially since they're saying that they know people want it, and it seems like they might be even be working on it. Who knows? So it'll be it'll be pretty interesting. They should do a game. I would love a game set in Japan with like an amazing story and a female lead. Yeah, I mean, that'd be so cool. This would be pretty cool. I mean, I think maybe they can even make a Ninja Gaiden game, which literally just makes let you lets you make your own character, mm-hmm. and you can kind of choose, you know, if it can be male or female. It'll be it'll be really interesting. I, I want I'm I'm interested to see how they how they take the approach of making a new Ninja Gaiden day a Ninja Gaiden game now, right? I think that's always an issue when you leave a franchise for so long and you make a game now. I feel like a lot of people are usually excited for a game oh Ninja Gaiden 4 whatever but um, but then when when they make that game exactly how it was way back and make it today you know you're like wait but this has improved now this is not there that's not there you know it's called it is it is a little tough I do understand how developers do fear that sometimes yeah and they might not want to make a game that you know they don't feel will be able to adapt to the way the games are made now so it could be an issue. So who knows? I who think it's, it's it might be harder, but it's definitely doable. Exactly, hundred percent. I think they they have learned lessons and stuff. So I'm sure they're working on this. Uh, this is one thing I I just wanted to bring it up. This was pretty interesting. So Cliff Bledz- Cliff Bledzinski is basically the creator of the Gears of War franchise. He was basically he you know he's he's very well known in the in the gaming industry. He made a, a, a studio after he left the Gears of War franchise. He made a studio called Bosky Productions, and they made. Uh, an Overwatch-like game called Lawbreakers, which unfortunately did not do too well, and the production, the company was also uh, shut down. And since then, he hasn't really done anything when it comes to gaming. But recently, he tweeted out, uh, especially I guess since Rod Ferguson just left, uh, he said that he he would love to. This is from his tweet that he would love to consult on the Gears of War franchise. Uh, basically, he wrote that his offer still stands to consult on the Gears franchise, Microsoft. Your move, and obviously he put like a, a like a, a meme or like an emoji or something like that. <laughs> obviously I had to put that there, but uh, he also put in brackets that Rod had a bunch of my and Mr. Lee Perry. I feel I believe that's another developer that worked with him. Idea sitting on the cutting room floor, so that was pretty interesting. I mean, Rod Ferguson just left. Microsoft is obviously going to try to fill that studio head position. Yeah. And Cliffy B is saying that hey, I can. I, he's not saying that he wants to be studio head. I think he's just saying that I'm just going to oversee it. I'm, I I think at this point he probably doesn't want to go back into that studio head type of life because he'd left that. He said that he kind of moved away from that after Gears of War 3. Yeah. So maybe he just says, he just wants to come back, make sh- make sure that everything is kind of running smoothly, yeah, exactly. is going the right direction, especially since it is kind of his baby, right? So I do understand that he would love to go back and see he see these characters through, see the story evolve in the way that he wanted to evolve. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting. So that's, uh, that was a pretty, uh, we had a lot of a lot of news in the past week. I think that's one of the things with this show, since it is a weekly show, there's so much stuff to cover. So I, I do apologize, we, we went quite over, but that's okay, we'll keep going. So I wanted to discuss, uh, the next thing I wanted to discuss in this in this podcast, I feel like after we're done with the new things, I want to talk about what games we are playing. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the games that I've been playing recently is, it's weird because I just finished Red Redemption 2 uh, just a little while back, uh, and I know I was really, really late. 
uh, in that in, uh, in, into the play that game. It was uh, that was game was just so like almost so filling and so concentrated almost that you know once I finished I wanted something very small. I just could not focus. Obviously, there's games that I play for the streams which are different, but games that I play on my own for my own pleasure, I just could not play another you know big game. I I what I did was I had Call of War as Gunslinger um, on my Xbox One installed from a while back because I always wanted to check it out. I always heard good things about it, and I started playing that game and. And yeah, that's it's it's a really cool game. It's again, it's a Western setting. Maybe I'm just continuing that Red Dead trend. Yeah, it honestly just looks like a comic book version of Red Dead. Yeah, and <laughs> but exactly, the first person shooting game. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's really really fun. I like how the game is being narrated, and you're kind of going through the narration, and the guy will be like, "Oh, that didn't happen," and kind of go back, <laughs> go back in, in time, yeah. and we'll fix everything. You know, and I, I kind of like that approach to it, and it's like a storytelling gameplay approach. The gameplay is fun. I think I'm I'm getting more and more used to keyboard and mouse, which is why I'm finding it harder to play on a on a console nowadays. Yeah. But obviously that's just that's just a weird issue that I'm having, and it's a really really good game. I feel like not enough people have either played it or talk about it, and I just kind of wanted to bring that up because it's a really fun game. I I do hope they make another game in the same vein because they have made Call of Juarez games, but they aren't necessarily like Gunslinger set in that style, set more comedic style. Most of the games are obviously more grounded, more uh, down to earth and are, are more modern in the, the other Call of Wireless games. I've never played them. I've seen gameplay. I've seen reviews and stuff like that. But this game definitely got me and I was invested. I'm loving it. Um, the, the other game I've been playing quite a bit of is Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I've, I'm doing my best to finish this game. I'm like 30 hours in. There's just so much to do in this game. And it's so hard because you want to explore everything. You want to do all the story missions. But I'm, I think after 30 hours in, I'm reaching to that point where... I'm just gonna focus on the story because as I keep going to new islands, keep exploring in Assassin's Creed, I keep finding new things to do, and I'm I just kind of remind myself I'm like, okay, if you're gonna do this, you're gonna be here forever. Especially because when I do play games, I try to play games like maybe like an hour or two per day or every other day, unless I'm streaming because I try to like the thing I when I when I when it comes to me playing on my own, I don't count the streaming stuff. When it comes to me playing on my own, you know, it's like I, I play for an hour or maybe two and that's kind of, I'm kind of done at that point unless the, the story really, really gets me invested. Yeah. So uh, that hasn't really happened with the Sanskrit mainly because I was focusing so, focusing so much on the side missions. I was focusing so much on doing everything else, you know, that I never got a chance to actually go into the, the story stuff. So now I'm, I've kind of realized that I'm at that point. Where I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's just focus on the story. Let's just get this out of the way. And then maybe after that, I can go do the side missions later on because I just want to get that story out of the way. So that's one of the other games I'm playing. So far, really great. I do miss the old Assassin's Creed games. I think I'm one of those people that really enjoyed Assassin's Creed 1, 2, uh, Brotherhood, Black Flag, Assassin's Creed 3, Revelations, all those older games that are more linear. Um, they took a very, very open world approach and the, the older games, I like them a lot, mainly because, even games like Syndicate and, and Unity, mainly because of how everything seemed, you know, so it, it looked like they put a lot of detail, a lot of work into certain assassinations, certain approaches that you take uh, as, you pl as you're as uh, you playing the Assassin's Creed. So, you know, when I, when I get a kill in Assassin's Creed Odyssey or assassinate someone, it's literally like, it just feels like I'm playing like any RPG and I just go behind him. There's no you know, interesting thing that happens behind it. There's no interesting way of getting these kills. It's literally just, okay, go in, kill this person. If they figure out who you are, you're just in like an RPG battle, you're blocking, you're hitting them, and you, that, that's kind of how you get the kills. Whereas, and I also didn't like that you need to actually be a certain level 
to be able to assassinate someone and get their health all the way down. So you might assassinate someone, but if you're not high level enough, you'll only take a chunk of their health out. And they'll just kind of turn around and start hitting you. Oh, that's so frustrating. So, exactly. So for me, like that, I, someone who really liked the older Assassin's Creed games, I didn't really like that. Yeah. Mainly because in the la- that's the thing. Like when you finally get to that point, I remember in Assassin's Creed Syndicate, there was a whole thing where you have to kill this doctor and you're a pa- you basically pretend to be a patient. And they, <laughs> uh, he's doing like a teaching his students how to like dissect someone or something yeah. like that. And you basically pretend to be that person. And as he's kind of like trying to approach you, you kind of like just stab him, you kill him, you get your kill and you kind of get out of there. And it's like a really cool way of getting these kills, right? Like, and that's what I missed from the old Assassin's Creed games. Yeah. So I'm hoping that they kind of move back to that with the new Assassin's Creed. Um, I don't know if these new great new games like Origins and Odyssey are selling well enough that you know, maybe Ubisoft is saying that, hey, we don't need to go back to that approach. We, we're going to stick with this. But deep down, I'm hoping that, hey, keep making these games, but, you know, make a smaller game as well. I don't mind if it's a smaller game yeah. and it comes out, which is more, I, I can't fa- find the word for it, but it's just more catered towards the old Assassin's Creed games. You know, just more catered towards people like myself who grew up on those Assassin's Creed games. And it's, you know, you're getting those kills where it just... You know, it, it was almost like getting a kill in, in, in Sekiro, getting like a a, a kill in, in a Dark Souls, like a, like killing the boss in Dark Souls. You know, you get that satisfaction of going through all the sneaking through, getting almost like Hitman, you know? That's what and, I was going to say. When you were describing it, it just reminded me of, of Hitman. Exactly, right? And I think I think maybe that's also because of me and uh, my love for Hitman. Yeah. So hopefully, who knows, uh, you know, but, but I, I am enjoying Odyssey and I do enjoy the story overall. And I do like that there's just so much stuff to do and you, it does get you hooked. Yeah. Um, the other game, of course, Towers Battlefront 2. I was kind of talking about this before as well. I feel like this is a game that people should definitely give a chance. I'm really, really liking this game. They improved so much. I obviously uh, get my get my ass kicked uh, quite a bit. I do, you know, die quite a bit in this game. But <laughs> but it's still so fun. I just love that this is a, I'm playing a Star Wars game. I'm in the Star Wars universe, yeah. and I'm just having such a great time. I just really, really like it. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I just keep playing it again and again, uh, and you know, I think anyone that was turned off by how the game was in, uh, initially, I think you should definitely give it a cho- give it a shot. It's not the same as it was before. The loot boxes stuff is all gone. You know, it's not an issue anymore like that. So definitely check it out. Um, I can't say I can't praise praise it enough. And um, I, I don't know if they will release a new game this year, uh, Dice or EA, when it comes to Battlefront franchise or even the Battlefield franchise, but. At this moment, I, I hope that they just keep adding stuff to it. I'm perfectly fine with this game. They don't need to make a new Battlefront 3 right now. Just focus on this. <laughs> keep adding stuff. I'm, I'm just having such a good time. Because the game, one thing that DICE and EA do a really good job is gameplay. And the gameplay in this game is, is just solid. It's just so good. Yeah. And the last game I've been playing is Sekiro. I'm, I'm still trying to finish this. I played this for a bit. Dropped off. Didn't go back on it for a while. Played it again for a stream kind of dropped off and then played it again recently and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of I'm invested in it right now I'm, yeah. I'm really enjoying it I'm, I'm basically I think we're gonna mainly play it on stream at this point but yeah it's just it's just so interesting I really really like it I'm having such a good time with it um, it's a lot more approachable compared to the Souls franchise compared to Dark Souls Dark Souls 2, 3 Demon Souls I feel like I felt the same with, with Bloodborne I played Bloodborne before playing the Dark Souls game and I really like Bloodborne and I felt that that was, I, I was able to get into it a lot easier. I feel like Dark Souls throws so many things at you in one go that for someone new who's going to a game that is so difficult, where things like 
things like you know finding certain items certain armor certain certain weapons upgrading them in a certain way is so important that you know for someone new it's, it's too daunting bloodborne was kind of in between you have to upgrade items you have to uh, you you can find uh new weapons stuff like that but the weapons are only like four or five of them or like 10 whereas in dark souls there are like 50 different items you can find or 50 different armor sets you can find so doing that approach was perfect i got into bloodborne from there i got into dark souls 3 i love dark souls 3 and i played through that i really enjoyed it i haven't played dark souls 1 and 2 but i i i, I want to try them at some point and then i see sekiro and sekiro is, is very similar where they made it even more approachable than Bloodborne. So one thing Souls franchise is also kind of known for is having a very convoluted story where they don't really tell you a story. They have weird cutscenes. You have to read items to get the overall story and then you have to kind of piece them all together yourself to figure out what the hell is happening. So <laughs> Sekiro is, first of all, you don't upgrade your items. You don't get a new sword. You don't, you can, you can get like the, the Shinobi prosthetic, which is like an item that is connected to you, to your, your, kind of chopped off hand yeah, right? yeah. and you can kind of connect it there and you can use that for stuff but your sword is your sword your armor is your armor you don't need to change any of that you you speak your character speaks in this which is interesting which was not a thing for the other games and the the other thing is that the story is still convoluted but it is a lot more approachable there are scenes that kind of are explained to you what's happening in, yeah. a, in a sense obviously you still have to piece stuff together overall yeah so I'm really having a good time. I really like Sekiro. I'm gonna keep streaming it for sure. I'm really, I'm really enjoying it. And I think we just reached the first main big boss. I forgot, uh, forgot his name, but basically it's the boss that's on on a horse and he just keeps attacking on, on the horse. It's, yeah. it, it was really frustrating. I almost got it the first time, but yeah, I'm, 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 it's the it's the game that does hook you. You know, you make a mistake, you fail, but you you are able to kind of get back in. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to that. So Savannah, why don't you talk about? Some of the games I have listed here, Pokemon Shield and Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> so two of the two awesome games, I should say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a PS4 too, but I just love the Switch. I love how portable it is. It's just so easy to take with you anywhere. You know, and I like that I can multitask. Like, you can just watch something and then play at the same time. So I started out playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. And then um, a little bit almost midway, I started playing Pokemon and then Shield. And I got hooked. So I've been playing that ever since. And I really enjoyed it. I don't remember, I don't think I played the games. Obviously I watched the show. I can't recall playing the games, mm. the previous games, but I really like it. it. I'm having so much fun. I think I'm level like 35 or something. Yeah, you're way way ahead when it comes to Pokemon. Than I, yeah, your Pokemon's are level zero. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to catch up on Pokemon as well. I haven't, I've, I've been spending too much time, like I said, playing stuff like yeah. Call of Juarez and, and Battlefront 2 and Sekiro. And of course, Breath of the Wild. What about Breath of the Wild? I mean, I, I love Breath of the Wild. I love that game so much. I like it too. I mean, I will definitely go back to it once I'm done with Pokemon, I guess. I really liked it. What was new to me and a little bit annoying only in the beginning was that my swords kept breaking <laughs> and I had to keep getting new ones. I just wasn't used to that. So I was like, what the hell? But after that, like, yeah, I love it. It's so pretty. The music is so nice. Um, and it looks beautiful too. Yeah, for a Nintendo Switch game as yeah, well. Yeah, it looks really nice. That's the one thing even I had to get used to was the durability of the swords and the shields and everything. And then over time, you just get used to it to the point where you have stuff in your inventory ready. That you're like, okay, this is going to break soon. I have this sword ready. Don't yeah, I got it used to it, but I've never seen that in another game. It, it's in a lot that, of RPG that, like, games. That I played. Yeah. Because even when we played WoW, that wasn't really a factor. I know, and I think WoW, obviously, WoW is using a very older approach to 
how the durability worked. I know that yeah. your armor will get damaged and you exactly, have to repair it. Exactly, but then we can repair it. It's never like, oh, it broke, it's gone. And it only takes like a couple hits and... I, yeah, I can. I, I mean, I know a lot of RPG games like Elder Scrolls and Fallout and stuff like that. They usually have stuff like durability that play the role. But I yeah. can't remember if it was to the point of them the the thing breaking completely or it's fully broken and it's with you and you can just go repair it and it'll be fine. That's what I'm saying. I think most games are kind of like wow. Yeah, they have that like idea, right? Where you like, which makes sense, you know, like. You use it. You need to repair it. You need to take care of your armor and what you use. That makes sense. But with Zelda, it just breaks so quickly. It's just gone. Uh, have you been trying out the the shrines? Yeah. Yeah, the shrines were one of my favorite things. I, I remember doing every single shrine I, I could possibly find. I know, me too. That's what I was trying to do as well too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had like a map in front of me, like on on Google. I brought up a map which tells you where all the shrines are, yeah. and I would just kind of. Put it there, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do like five shrines today. Yeah. And I just had such a great time. That's such a great game. I know. I love, I mean, you know, I, I love anything that's sort of like puzzle related, even in the slightest. So I just really liked it. Yeah. I, oh my God. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for a new Breath of the Wild, hopefully. Okay. So obviously, I apologize. We're not going to really go over predictions for the game of the fall. I think we're, we're going to save that for, for next, uh, next podcast just because we went a little over. So you can follow me at twitch.tv slash amandaman. That's A-M-A-A-N-T-H-E-M-A-N. Uh, you can also follow me at on Instagram at Amandaman Games. That's A-M-A-A-N-T-H-E-M-A-N and then Games, G-A-M-E-S. I also have a link tree attached to my Instagram on, on my on my Twitch channel as well. So uh, you can kind of follow my, my podcast, follow uh, t- uh, Twitter, follow my, uh, from my Instagram, stuff like that. At the moment, I am st- uh, streaming Hitman in full hitman cosplay of course aided by by sylvana and her amazing cosplaying makeup abilities so it's really <laughs> awesome and of course i'm also playing sekiro uh so i will be playing sekiro on saturday on sunday i might be playing a horror game or we might be continuing sekiro um the hitman stream will be i think twice a week yeah so we're gonna keep you twice a week just because it is a lot of work to kind of put the ball cap on and everything yeah. like that it, it, like it, the, the specific days might like switch around right but it'll always be like two times a week exactly exactly and the main thing is just follow me on my on, on twitter and on instagram so i'll keep yeah. you updated uh so why don't you let everyone know where people can follow you and follow stuff that you do so all my art is on scp creative and her art is amazing she has done <laughs> all the overlays like Sapso has done all the overlays and everything for twitch for even like even the stuff that you see in the panels She's been helping quite a bit, and she's an amazing artist. So please check her out, uh, you know, and give give your support. And yeah, I think I think we'll call it there. It was a, yeah. I apologize again. It was a very long winded podcast, and I didn't really get to the type of topic I wanted to discuss. But we will. I'll, I'll keep that in mind for for next one. Right now, it's just it's just fun to kind of talk about video games. You know what? I'm <laughs> I'm I honestly am really really enjoying just being able to talk and just kind of kind of do this yeah. and learn from my mistakes, learn from, learn from all the stuff that I'm doing. So, you know, bear with me as the first, same as my Twitch streams. First few episodes are not going to be perfect, but I will, I do guarantee over time it will get better. It'll, it'll, I'll get a better hang of how to handle certain topics, how to talk about them. I'll fix my quote and end quote stuff. <laughs> so quotes. please follow the, follow my Twitch channel. Follow me on your various podcast stuff, Spotify, yeah. Apple. We'll, we will be on Google Play very soon as well. Uh, and I'll, I'll put my podcast on TuneIn and iHeartRadio and stuff like that as well later on. So thank you everyone for joining. Please join us again next week for another podcast. Uh, I will have guests like Satsil, Samana join in here and there. 
so it'll be really great. We'll have we have, have some amazing friends who, who love gaming the same way I do. So thank you everyone for joining and hope to see you next week. Bye!